Cedric Ward. Cedric, welcome to 3 Plus 1 Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it is an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us. So, Cedric, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do. Okay. Well, I am a 34-year-old man here in Atlanta. 34? Y'all, he looks like 28. This man looks amazing. <laughs> I almost spit up my fruit. <laughs> Wait, now what made you almost spit up your fruit? <laughs> he said 34 and that's not what I was expecting. He's closer to Didi's age than my age and I'm so thrilled because Didi's about 50 and yeah. I just had no idea. I'll be 35 this year. Wow, so. <laughs> he looks great. Black don't crack. It does Woo. not crack. Wait, I don't look great, Tazzy. <laughs> <laughs> Didi looks age appropriate. <laughs> Tazzy, you're horrible. That is funny. So you, so and so, and speaking of your looks and speaking of your appearance, that's really what has kind of helped motivate you and kind of what you've chosen as your career path. So, how long have you been a model? Okay, well, I have been a model for let's say a little bit over ten years now. Um, I always knew I wanted to be a model, even in high school, uh, when I was maybe about in the 10th grade, I would always see pictures of, uh, I had two aunts who used to model, and they were featured in Essence like years and years ago, like back in the 60s and 70s, and so uh, when I would see pictures of them, me being in high school, I'm like, I'm going to be a model too, and so about 11th grade, I was like, I'm going to be a teacher, and I'm going to be a model, and literally, once I got in college, I started getting into modeling heavily, got signed to my first agency. And then after college, I got uh, a teaching position. I taught English for two years, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And then I got signed to another agency. Then I got signed to a third agency and then a fourth. And then I was like, you know what? I'm done teaching. So I left teaching and I started just doing that full time. But now I kind of do a little more teaching because I miss, you know, just being in the classroom and having that type of effect on students and just the beauty of teaching and learning. And so I got back into it and now I teach online, uh, which for me is perfect because I can travel and still do whatever I want to do and still teach. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, we may have some listeners out there who are really interested in possibly becoming a model. What it would be your one piece of advice to an aspiring model or someone who really wants to break out into that industry? Okay. Um, first, uh, find a reason why you want to be a model. Because once you find that reason, really find a reason why you want to do anything. Because once you find that reason why, then that motivates you to, to do it. You know, okay. Why do I want a million dollars? Oh, because I want to buy this. I want to live this life and da 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 Okay, then you're more motivated to go after and do that and do some of the necessary things to achieve whatever that goal is, whether it's being a model or having a million dollars or even being a teacher. Um, so you just really have to figure out why do you want it. I tell people all the time, um, 
you know, never worry about the how and the when. Only focus on what you want and why you want it. And the how and the when will be, that will be worked out. God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, will work that yes, out Yes, God. You. So one of the great, you know, that's a great segue, Cedric, into really talking about kind of the, 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 I would have to say the greatest gift that you've ever given me in my life. So it's a great chance to share with our listeners <clears throat> a little bit of history and backstory. And that you were the first friend that I ever had that really ever helped me or spoke to me about The Secret. Mm -hmm. And so The Secret, the book, The Secret, the whole, but really just the concept. Mm -hmm. And so I really first heard about The Secret when the whole world heard about it on the Oprah Winfrey show back in maybe it was 1997 because I think I was in high school. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't my time. It was not my time. Mm -hmm. And so you then started speaking to me about The Secret and talking about how to manifest the life you want and what it takes to put out into the universe and really have absolute faith and trust in God to provide your dreams and help make your dreams come true. And I watched you continue to excel in this uncharted career path as a model and land big jobs and really expand. But even then, it wasn't my time. Mm -hmm. So if you're out there listening and this resonates with you, it may be your time. Uh, This past January... I was driving home, well, actually driving to my mother uh, after she, you know, she has, a, she had a recent illness and I was driving to see her in the hospital and I listened to the secret on tape and I realized then it, it was, was my time, time. <laughs> and I have been manifesting every, you know, ever that. since that moment, every day I've been constantly focusing in on what I want and letting it go and having absolute faith that God is going to provide it. And anyone who knows some recent things that have happened for me, I've been, I have been very blessed with opportunities that I never expected. I asked for certain things, and how I got those things, I didn't foresee it coming in my wildest dreams. And I want to thank you for sharing that with me. And I really want to share with anyone out there listening, because again... If this resonates with you, it is now your time for the secret. I recommend that you get the audio book and you listen to it in small bite-sized chunks and let it sink in and really reflect because for me, it has been a life changer in many, many ways. And for those who know me personally, you know that there are so many great things that have happened in in just... From the moment I started this podcast with Tazzy until now, and it truly, I think, can, go, can be traced back to the secret. Yes, to the I, testimony, DD. Had to share it. Had to share it. So, yes. how long have you? So, tell us about your secret journey, your okay. secret experience. So, I, I was. First of all, I'm so happy and excited that you look at that as one of the best gifts that you you've ever received, and especially the best gift you've ever received for from me. Because honestly, that is the best gift that I have ever received. From someone, uh, my good friend Ray, he lives in LA. He called me. He said, "Hey, you need to." He this is what he said. He said, "You need to get a pen, get some paper, write down a list of all the things that you want. The thing, and you know, start off saying, you know, I am grateful for this. Even the things that you don't have yet, but you want, write it as if you already have it." He he hadn't told me about the secret. He just told me to do these things. So, and I'm still in college at this time. I'm a junior. In college, I was dating someone. I was in a relationship. Blah, blah, blah. I thought I had it going on. Really, when I found out about the secret, uh, I realized that no, you didn't have it going on. But now you really got it going. On. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I wrote these things down. You know, uh, the car I wanted to drive, uh, what I wanted to do with my life, like being a teacher, being um, in the fashion industry. Um, 
everything. Joining your fraternal organization. I remember oh your God. list. I wrote that list, and literally, I, every other day, I would look at that list, and I would wake up, and I would read it. I would read it, you know, and it would start out saying, you know, I am so happy and grateful now that I have this and this has happened. I am so happy and grateful now that I'm driving in my new Audi convertible, which I did get, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it, when he told me that, I wrote those things down and I slowly, those things were meant. I even wrote down my GPA because at one point I flunked out of college. I said I had to sit out because my GPA got, I partied so much and my GPA got below like a 2.0. And, you know, they put you out after they put you on probation. I was on probation for a year, still wasn't doing right. And then I, when they let me come back, I was like, you know what? I'm about to, I'm, I'm going to graduate with a 3.0 or better. And I wrote that on there. I graduated with a 3.7, I mean, 3.37. It was like 3.37 something. But from a one point something to get up to that, that is not easy to do in college, no, you know? Yeah, you have a 4.0 semester. <laughs> you know, exactly. I had but, lots of 4.0 semesters. That, yes. Before I learned the secret. But, but it was just that idea. When I seen that, I was like, oh man, I can really do some things. And that's when I started making it bigger, the things that I wanted. I started like, asking for more things and like you said before you ask for it and you release it and one thing that i got from the secret after watching it um was that uh i can't remember her name i think her name is lisa i think um but anyway, she said whatever you think and think about you bring about and she is spot on whatever you think and about and think yes. about you bring about. Let me tell you, I live a life of gratitude. I wake up every day thanking God for my condo. I wake up thanking God for money in my account. I the I thank God for a toothbrush. You know, just because some of those things people don't have. But the, whatever you think and think about, you're going to bring more of. And so uh, the God God and universe will continue to give you more reasons to be grateful, more reasons to say I. You know, I'm thankful, you know, more reasons to give, more reasons to receive more. It's just all of those good feelings that you are happy and excited about. If you can be thankful for those, then guess what? You want to have more reasons to be thankful, you know. And so learning that from the secret has been like my way of life. Like even on my social media, I um, I think my number one saying is uh, um, gratitude propels me, which it does. You know, it, it propels me forward. Whatever I wake up and think about that I am grateful for, I know I'm going to get more of that. If it's money, I'm, you know, grateful for these $5 because I know tomorrow I may get 10 <laughs> You know, or I'm grateful for this $100 because I may get two or 300 tomorrow. You know, it's just that that attitude of gratitude that just continues to make the thing flow. Like, it's just the blessings will continue to rain. You know, I get one job, one booking, I'm like, yes. You know, I'm grateful for this because I know that I created this and I know that I can create another job. And so another job is going to come and I'm grateful for that. You know, so when it comes, you know, I bask in the idea that I created this. I thought this. I was thankful for this. And now I have another reason to be thankful. And guess what? Tomorrow I'm going to have another reason to be thankful. And maybe next week or next month, I'll have an even bigger reason to be thankful. So it's just like that ongoing, ongoing you know, pool of being grateful and just basking in that. And that has been my journey and will probably forever be my journey. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is an absolute amazing testimony. And I think that so many people, 
struggle with identifying what it is that they really genuinely want. Mm-hmm. People are non-committal, not only to other people, but also to their dreams. And I think that impacts where people are allowing allowing God to really take them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of those things that, you know, first you, you have to find out what you're passionate about. And that just go that goes deeper than just saying, oh, I'm passionate about this. You know, what is it that when you wake up, you are excited to do this. You are happy. It does not feel like work, even though it may be working and renders money, but it doesn't feel like work because you're just excited to do it. You're happy to do it. You wake up and this is what's fun to you. So, Cedric, what is it for you that when you wake up, you are excited and happy to do no matter what? Feeling good. Period. Feeling good. No matter what I'm doing, where I'm going, who I'm doing it with, my dominant intent is to feel good. No matter what. I don't care what it is. Even coming here, you know, I'm going to feel good. You know, Uh, even, you know, going on uh, an airplane. I want to feel good about walking on this plane. I want to feel good about the seat that I'm going to sit in. You know, because if I feel bad or feel negative about it, then guess what? Somebody's going to sit beside me that's going to smell bad. So they're going to be snoring. It's going to be a bad experience. So if you always look for a reason to feel good, then nothing but goodness will come to you. So, you know, when you wake up... Say that again for them. (laughs) If you ain't hearing it in the back, say it again. (laughs) If you always look for a reason to feel good, then nothing but goodness will come to you. Like, you're attracting that. You know, it's almost like, okay, when you go, if you go, when you were a kid, you go Easter egg hunting. I'm looking for the egg. I'm looking for the egg. That's how I am in the morning. I'm looking for the good. I'm looking for the good. Oh, good right there. Good right there. Good right there. Good right there. You know. So and it's not just one Easter egg that you find. Mm-hmm. You found multiple eggs at any given moment. Watch how simple the eggs can be. Oh, you know, there's there's a wreck up here. You know, and. You know, it may be a little bad for them. Thankfully, everybody's safe. But guess what? The good it is in that I can walk clean across the street and I don't have to worry about anybody hitting me. But I'm just saying that is even in a bad situation, I found the good, you know, and that's what it's all about. No matter what, no matter what's going on, who you with, who you're doing it with, where you're going, where, nothing, nothing matters. But you feeling good, make that your dominant intent when you wake up, when you open your eyes, then you have set your day for magic. And then next thing you know, you set your life. So, Tazzy, what is it for you, that one thing that you could do every single day? Um, I'm doing it. Film. Period. Directing, all of that. Like, I went back to school for that. Those of you that know me know that I quit my job, moved back to the city just so that I can get my master's in something that I'm actually passionate about because I realize I'm young, I don't have any kids, I'm not married, I don't have anything that's forcing me to be in a job that I hate. Mm -hmm. And I refuse to go 20 years working somewhere where I'm not passionate about, I'm not happy every single day. So here I am getting this degree and creating content, filming, directing, um, every single day. Like I'm always doing something. Like I just, before I got here, I was at a production meeting for a shoot that I had this weekend. And that shit makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) So... Cedric, kind of transitioning back to your work, you know, as a model, I want you to tell us what has been your best modeling job and what has been your worst. Okay, uh, I'm not going to talk about the worst because... <laughs> I knew it. I not, knew it. That's not going to help me. <laughs> and, and, and let me say something about that. It's nothing wrong with thinking about the worst that can happen. You know, the thing is, is that those thoughts don't serve you. 
they don't really serve you. That's a word. That's a word right there. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, okay, I know this is going to happen. Okay, great. I'm not looking for that to happen. You're looking for the good. Focus on that, you know? And that's what you're going to get more of, you know? But anyway, so I would say the best job or... I wouldn't say it was the best, but the reason why I would say it was probably the top one for me is just because of the reaction that I got after uh, it something was revealed. So I'm a, I got set for uh, booked for this um, this gig for this uh, hair company, and uh, it was like a natural hair company. So this was like my second shoot they booked me for. So I'm like, okay, they like me. They continuously book me. You know, if you continue to get booked by the same person, then they really like you. And then so I get there and um, I'm doing, this is for like a commercial that they're filming. And then uh, they hand me the product and I look down at the product and it's my silhouette on the product. I'm like, wow. Oh my God. So they, you know, they, they are feeling me being, you know, surprised and like in awe that, you know, I'm on this, you know, product. And then they come up, come with a magazine, uh, I think it was like a uh, hype hair. And then there's a full spread, like a two page spread in there. I was just like, you know, I was going crazy. I knew, you know, it was a big job, but I didn't know, you know, where the pictures were going, where the video, I thought it was just like a social media thing. Um, and I mean, that was probably the one of the best moments for me, you know, as a model. I was, I mean, because that's a model's dream to be on some type of cosmetic campaign type thing, whether it's makeup, hair, or, you know, whatever. So, that was probably, that was, that was the most intriguing and exciting moment for me in the modeling industry. What's the most surprising thing about your industry that people don't know? Uh, hmm. I would say the most surprising thing, I don't know, because honestly, most of all the things that people think about the fashion industry it's, most of it is partially true. There's some truth in all of it, um, the good and the bad. And so, I don't know. I mean, before I got into it, everything that I was told was true. Everything that I was told to look out for, I had to look out for, you know. And I don't know. I wasn't surprised by anything. So, if someone came at me, you know, the wrong way. Trust me, I have experienced a lot of different sexual harassment by men and women in the industry, but I wasn't surprised you, by it. You knew it. I knew that prepared. that was going to come, you know, and I, and I was prepared to, okay, you know, go the other way. I was going to get signed to Red Models. I had moved to New York. I got signed to an agency in New York. It was a smaller agency, uh, and so I still would continue to try to shop for other agency, and that would just be my mother agency, and, um, you know, I was going to get signed to Red Models, and I, I hope, you know, I may be <laughs> calling the agency out, but... I mean, there was someone in there, like, he was not going to sign me unless I, like, you know, tried to do something with him, you know? But, but and that was top one, that is one of the top agencies for black male models, you know, especially in New York. And so, it, I, it, it just baffles me that so many guys, I know that that's what they had to do to get signed to Red. Um, you know, I'm not signed to Red, but... You know, I could have been, had I had not been knowledgeable beforehand, I could have been one of those guys too, you know. But um, that was, because that was like my first, ex that wasn't my first experience with that. 
Because uh, another agency here in Atlanta tried, there was a guy at the agency tried something like that too. And it's just one of those things that you just, as a black male model, you just, you know, got to look out for. I mean, we're looked at as gods, which we are. So, you know. <laughs> I, mean, I think Tazzy would probably agree. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like so you're right along the lines of her, down the street, her you pro-black agenda. Yes, pro-black. Somebody <laughs> try to come for the crowd, you know, walking down the street, you got to look out for it. You know, going to Publix, you had to look It's all about <laughs> the power of the Black Panther. The Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> so, very, very great to, to hear this. What is, what's next for you? What is the next big thing on the horizon? You know, I, honestly, I am really just gracefully just moving myself through life. I, you know, there are some dreams and some things that I want to achieve, but I'm not rushing it. I'm not like, okay, I got to get this done. I got to do this. My thing is I'm going to enjoy every part of my life, whether, you know, someone's in it or not, or uh, if I'm doing this or if I'm doing that or whatever. So, you know, even though I have goals and stuff like that, I don't like to, like, put them on a table and say, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. Because that's almost kind of like limiting yourself in a sense. Because there are millions of things you can do. There are millions of things you can do to bring in money. There are millions of things you can do to have fun. There are just so many things. And I like keeping that generalization there so that I can have fun and I don't feel tied down or disappointed in myself if I don't achieve a certain thing right now. You know, just as long as I know what I want, why I want it, I'm not, I can care less about the how it's going to happen and the when it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen. And, you know, when it does happen, I rejoice and say, hey, I created that. <laughs> Amazing. So, um, and speaking of, you know, what's next on the table, mm-hmm. as you move into politics, we're still wondering what will be next for John McCain. Oh, and Lord. we're looking at some really horrible jokes <laughs> told last week uh, by an aide of our president, Donald Trump. In an article by Julian Zelser, CNN political analyst, a few weeks ago, several political officials and numerous journalists jumped down the throat of comedian Michelle Wolf for making pointed remarks about the Trump administration at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. We've even talked about that on the last two episodes of our podcast. The jokes, the critics said, were too harsh and further eroded civility in Washington. Ari Flesher, former press secretary to President George W. Bush, said that Wolf's jokes about Sanders were uncalled for. It's nasty. However, early last week, it was made clear that Wolf really wasn't the only problem. With some jarring events in recent days, the nation got another taste of the kind of bitter rhetoric that has become normalized during Donald Trump's presidency, even between members of the same party. On the heels of reports that Senator John McCain, who is struggling against cancer, doesn't want the president to attend his funeral, and after news broke that the senator opposed the administration's pick for CIA director, White House aide Kelly Sadler joked to colleagues in an internal White House meeting, he's dying anyway. There was no political commentary that was the basis of Sadler's remark, and it sounded malicious. Guys, what do you think about the responses of White House aide Kelly Sadler regarding or saying that Senator McCain's comments don't matter and that he's dying anyway? It's distasteful, but I'm not surprised. From anybody that works in the Trump administration, do we expect more from them? If you do, you're a fool. Because you already know they're a bunch of messy ass, terrible ass people. So I'm not surprised that she said that at all. It's disgusting and bad. But shout out to John McCain for making his VIP list for his funeral. 
already being alive. Like, that's some wild boy shit. Right. Like, let me make my guest list while right. I'm alive. <laughs> I love that. I'm with it. I'm like, I have no, I think that's a great idea. Make a guest list. Keep that same energy. If you weren't dealing with me when I was alive, don't be at my funeral acting right. like we was cool. You're not going to my going away party. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Keep your ass at the house. You know, I think it's really interesting that this is coming out now. Um, I do believe that it, you know, probably was taken in context, but probably not something that Kelly Sadler meant to be shared. But I definitely feel as though it was, I'm glad that it was. Senator John McCain has been and is for me one of my favorite Republicans and has been for a mm-hmm. long time because he has always worked to reach across the aisles and build consensus with members of the Democratic Party, so much so that he was known as, of course, a maverick. Uh, he definitely did some damaging to his legacy in, when he ran for president and picked Sarah Palin as his VP nominee. And I think that for many people, they think that's the real John McCain. But there's a history of service that predates any of those shenanigans. And I think that's how I will always remember John McCain and how I will always revere the legacy. I think it's really interesting how his daughter is now still, I want to know if she's still going to be the staunch Republican supporter uh, that she is, or if she's going to definitely come back swinging. Um, Also, as John McCain has been ailing, you know, his friend, Vice President Biden has been right there by his side. That speaks to what it takes to move our nation forward. It takes men like that who will put their individual political differences aside in order to do what's better for, or what's best for our nation. And I really wish some member of the Trump White House would take or pay attention to that instead of making fun of someone like Senator McCain. Um, but, you know, in talking about Republicans, you can't talk about Republicans without also talking about Democrats. And that Democrats jockey to define their party in a wide-open 2020 presidential field. The future of the Democratic Party, according to Michael Shearer, has been looking has been booking late night gigs, waking up the morning drive time radio and showing up at the watering holes in rural counties to try out new material. Before the start of a 2020 Democratic presidential campaign, at least 25 candidates, mayors, governors, entrepreneurs, members of the House and Senate have hit the road to workshop their vision, experiment with catchphrases and test policy ideas that could keep President Trump from winning a second term. Guys, what do you think is the likelihood that the Democratic Party will be able to recapture the White House in 2020? Uh, I think there is a great possibility. Uh, The thing is, is that they're going to have to pick a millennial type of candidate um, to, I think, to move forward. Because people in general are just looking for that millennial feel. and that's one thing that Trump used a little bit when he became president as part of, his, part of his campaign, which was, you know, being very blunt and outspoken and just saying what he wants and what he feels and, you know, and not caring what someone else thinks or feels about it. And that is a part of the millennial attitude. And so I think that was also and it was something new for even, you know, baby boomers or, you know, other generations that they hadn't seen, but they had wanted to see or wanted to be or wanted the way that they wanted to speak and to see someone else on this pedestal doing that. It was like, okay, I'm going to go for him, you know, not because he's doing the right thing, but because he's doing something that I would love to do or I would want to hear a candidate do. I want to hear a candidate go, you know, full force and not care, no holds bars and not care about what someone else thinks or whatever and just say what's on his mind. So he used that, that small piece of millennial... Millennial magic. Yeah, he used that, 
And that's what propelled him to win, I think. And so the Democrats are going to have to do something similar to that. It doesn't have to be exactly that particular thing of choosing someone who speaks their mind and da da da. Of course, that's what everyone should do. That should be natural. But they're going to have to find something, some little piece that millennials can, you know, be excited about and want to go out and vote. You know, and honestly, the the closest that they had to that, and it's funny because this is guy, this guy is old, way older than you know. Uh, He's you know, the age of three millennials. You, you know, <laughs> but Bernie right. Sanders was that person though. Mm. He what he did have that millennial attachment, that millennial magic. He had that, you know, but he wasn't popular enough amongst you know the Democratic Party of just uh, of you know being the it guy or that you know, popular guy within the party or whatever. Um, because he absolutely wasn't. Like, so, I, I wouldn't vote for Bernie Sanders and I wasn't going to support Bernie okay, Sanders. Calm down. If Bernie was younger, he probably would have had a chance. He, That's his only He wouldn't have had a chance own. against Hillary in my book, Anywho, no matter what. The Democrats, yes, I feel like the not way they would have had, the way the Democrats can take over, millennial or not, <laughs> is that they're going to need to have somebody that can appeal to those, or actually speak to those um poor white people honestly hillary clinton didn't talk to poor white people she didn't promise poor white people anything she already had them and th- she really <laughs> didn't though all those poor white people voted for donald, donald trump. trump you're right so they were like he's gonna make america great again blah 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 so she thought she had them she thought but she never did hillary clinton <laughs> spent so much damn time on ellen trying to jig with black people that she didn't appeal to the poor white people and didn't get those votes mm-hmm. so if the Democrats can find somebody that does what the Democrats need them to do and can also appeal to them backwoods white people that make sure they get their ass out there and vote, they can take it back. Tazzy, I think yet again, everything you've said <laughs> I just found to be just absolutely offensive. Like <laughs> Everything that offensive? about that was so offensive. I do not think that it's about... Hillary was let me tell you something. Hillary was on Ellen... Trying to do jigging and doing the she was nay the nay. sisters only. What did the something? She too much. To the too much. Too much. And I applaud her for that. You know what? Uh, yeah. When yeah. let me tell you something. You cannot. It would. She She's wouldn't have been it. able She's to so win. Fake. She wasn't fake. fake. Yes, she was. Hillary Clinton. Oh my God. He's on his. I love this white woman pedestal, and I am not Tag here for it today. Yes, again. I am not here this for it today. Every episode you every talk episode about my white woman pedestal. We're tired of hearing about her. Let that old lady go. She's in retirement. Put that damn book up. Stop showing it to every guest we have. We do not care. Hillary did not win. Move on. Move forward. Let's go. Right. I'm tired of hearing about when, when, when you put the book up there, I was like, okay, Listen, what is that? You're in the middle of talking. His ass is over there searching for the damn book. We don't give a damn about Hillary's book. So let, let it go. Let, let it me go, say this. And I, let it go. This is a great moment because, Taz, you're right. There are many people, I mean, there are many Republicans who feel like those of us who truly understood and embraced the vision for a better America under the leadership of what would have been President Hillary Clinton, it's hard for us to let go. And I think that you're right. There's a lot of things that reasonably can point to why. But one thing you can say is that her efforts to reach out and bring in black voters, that wasn't a mistake. That is what you have to do. Had she not done that, black people in mass numbers would have said, I'm definitely not going to vote because she doesn't care about my interests. Mm -hmm. She's unrelatable. She may have gotten out there and jigged in a very stiff manner, but she still (laughs) made the effort to show and say, I care about what you 
you care about yes. or what you project That's to care her. about. And which I didn't she brought those. out people to which vote matter, for right. her, which but I she did. But today, people, today, Hillary is not Hillary a candidate. Clinton. Hillary will not no. be the president of Tell the United States not ever. And you need to let that shit go and move forward. Let's find another the candidate. Point is, find somebody else that Tassie, you won't ride this hard for. Is, no, the point there is, is no one. Your whole no one. There shit. is no There's one. No there hope. is no candidate. There is no hope the for Hillary. There is no article. hope for Hillary. We're talking about what can the Democrats do to get back in office. You still talking about Hillary Clinton? Her ass is at the house chilling. Let it go. Find somebody else. Tell us about somebody else that we should be interested in. There is no somebody one. else we should be pointing to. There, there is, is no one. Well, then either way, I'm tired of him by Hillary old ass. There is she no gone. one. She's and gone. that's the problem. So what, is that what right do you think now? The Democrats are going to do that. They're going to lose again. The Democrats are going to hand this country right back, right back to the white supremacist leader that we have in the White House, continue to see black men slaughtered, continue to see racism spiral out of control, continue to see rights get trampled on, continue to see bans imposed against citizens and immigrants and homosexuals alike, because that is what sits in the White House. Do and that is Hillary the absolute for absolute. Listen, Hillary be sitting there. The only, about the only difference uh, right now, if Hillary was in the White House, black people would still be getting killed. The only difference is she would actually make a public statement about this shit. Right. Donald Trump hasn't said a word anytime black people have been getting killed. The only difference is Hillary would have made a statement to make the black people, you know, feel like, oh, she's on our side. But black people are still gonna continually get killed. So, she wouldn't change that shit. What you think she would have did? You gonna write up this whole speech? Wait a minute, you about to give us a whole message about what you think Hillary would have done to stop that. Hillary couldn't stop Trayvon from getting shot. Hillary couldn't stop Waffle House from going down either, or the church, huh? or anything else like that. Donald Trump is only, the only difference is he didn't make a statement, she would have made a statement. And that's she it. She would have handled the racial what? crisis what? in our country in by a manner that was presidential. Did. No, yes, Instead made a statement saying, making I a statement am so by sorry that these things are happening. I, I am so sorry that these, but she can't stop this shit from happening. The country is a mess. Black people are dying. Hillary Clinton couldn't have stopped that. She would have made her political statement and got up in front of the country and said, I am devastated by the fact that these things are this happening. This is not about That's what it. Hillary That's would it. have done. That's it. You're absolutely wrong. That's when it. you try to chase a, when you try to trace my, my train of thought and my logic, you shit. completely went off the you got derailed nope. and you're off the track. The what? whole point, and can I make my point? The whole point I was trying wow. to make was never about wow. the fact that Hillary Clinton, what she would have done as president, although I could give you a whole laundry list of what she could have done. Know what she done. Done. But what I'm saying is there is no viable Democratic candidate who has emerged, and that is a concern. It is and 2018. Let me tell you, that is a huge. I was, I was going to say that that's a huge concern because the thing is that you can't wait. For one, you 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 can't wait two years to present a potential candidate. Yeah. You know, we need to see that three, four years beforehand. We need to be. There needs to be some news, so something. You know, but right now it's funny because Democratic Party does not have anyone. That is, you know, specified as this is a potential guy. Or this, like, our during the time of uh, when after Barack did his eight years, there were a couple potential candidates 
to look at. Yeah. I can't say that Cory Booker. But I thought he was going to be uh, the standout candidate. I haven't seen anything. They talked about Kamala for a little bit. I'm not hearing anything about any of these people now. Yeah. So and that's a problem. That is I a need problem. somebody to put, you know, this is wow. who I'm going to back in a couple years. Like, you can't just pop out six months before the election. And yeah, say, I'm putting my bid yeah, in. Yeah, no. no. You need to be building this right. up. So I am concerned. I do need, need them to be, to gaining be presenting like somebody. Yeah. You know, very early. Early, uh, just like Barack did. I mean, President Obama had a concerted effort to become our president. It was planned from speaking and delivering the Rebola address uh, oh, to yeah. the uh, State of the Union but that's to the, the two books that he wrote, putting out everything that needs to get put out about his history, that his process. heritage, and his mistakes. You had he put it all out there in the front. He built up, he planned for it, and he became our president. It was an intentional effort to win the White Absolutely. House. And we do not have anyone at this point who is making an intentional effort. And so, therefore, I am afraid to see what we would get to get put in that it's position. Because it's easy to be on the defensive or the offense. Because right now, Democrats on the offense. It's easy to tear down the buffoonery of President Donald Trump and all of the minion morons that run our nation at the current moment. But if we get someone in that position who is ill-equipped and unable to continue for the American economic progress, the White House will never again belong to a Democrat. And that is all, all those things really concern me at this pivotal moment in our country. Very concerning. Especially when you have things like happened uh, at Yale, where this wasn't allegedly the first time a white, this white Yale student called the cops on a person of color. By Dakin Andenone for CNN, a second black Yale student has alleged that the same white student whom other whom officers admonished this week for reporting a black student asleep in a dorm common room called police months ago to report his oh, presence wow. in a building. Resident John Jean Lewis this week shared on Facebook his recollection of the February encounter, which unfolded after he arrived at the dorm to meet with a former student uh, who, again, had got reported for simply sleeping in a common room. So basically, this student called the cops on another student for taking a nap in the common on the common couch. Did he live? Yes. The student lived in that dorm, and this, uh, a friend of that student said this exact same white resident called the cops on him uh, weeks prior. Wow. Sounds like that student needs to move out. <laughs> and uh, he has a problem with other students it's living there. It's a white there. woman. Oh, it's a white woman. See? You know what? I was walking to the gym the other day, and I literally <laughs> thought about the idea of white women playing on the role of being victimized. They're always the victim. They always, always. want to be the victim. You know, and what made me think of it was because here I am, you know, I had a cut-off t-shirt, blah, 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 you know, uh, and I'm walking down the street and white women are somewhat, not all of them, but a lot of them are intimidated by seeing a black man, period, walking near them. So I think, I don't think you can say any of what you just said. You cannot say white women this you can say that that white woman that you saw seemed to be intimidated but you cannot generalize all white there women there is a history like of white women you cannot generalize all victim. black people we didn't generalize I, did, I said I said some not all you said some. okay right. some. So, but, but you can also say that white woman no there are some white there women that some. played the role of the victim no. all the way through history the yeah. white woman that lied on Emmett Till lied that was on one Emmett white Till. woman the white woman that also called the police on the man in Oakland recently that was barbecuing. That's <laughs> another white woman. woman. He just called the 
police on a guy at Yale. <laughs> it's white women, some white women. Let me say some. some. It was some. White also women. a white female that called the police on the African American men at the Starbucks in Philadelphia. Let me tell you something. However, exactly. I do not believe that is indicative of all white women because no, on the flip all. side. The Some. video that you saw of the barbecue in Oakland that Another was drawn white by a woman white ally. Ally. That's right. I understand. And that's been my argument all that's along this podcast. So. Is that we are dependent and interconnected with our white allies to bring about real change in the United we States. We just named off five incidents where white women were playing the victim and it literally only one had a white ally. So, DD, please shut that down. No. Okay? It was also a white ally that reported the incident in Philadelphia. That was a white man filming that incident of the pl- white, of man. white man. Getting I said arrested. white women. Let's, let's talk about white women at the moment, okay? White, some white women love to play the victim. And that's an issue with me. White women are so much more detrimental I believe to society than white men honestly because white women play the victim then the white man comes in and acts a whole fool on black women based off of a phone call or some false lie that a white woman has told Emmett Till let's think about that white woman said this man raped me 20 white men come hang this man beat him kill him do all this stuff based off of a lie a white woman told right white women are just as oppressed as every other minority okay. not- ah! They are oppressed. Oh my God. Let me tell you. Let me tell you this. No, you're not. No, you're not. Let me tell you. Women are oppressed, and many of them don't even realize how oppressed they are. By the pa- the same patriarchy that okay. was our society. I don't give a damn about patriarchy. Racism is getting people killed because of white women lying. Let me say this. There's, a, there's oppression for every 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 race, every whatever. There's some type of oppression. Are white men oppressed? There are some ways they probably are oppressed. White men ain't oppressed. Let me tell you this, but though. But you just said that the, but the, let me, that talking about white, white women. women. We're talking about white women. Let me tell you, white woman, she is considered America's jewel. You know, when you think about American Pie, America's sweetheart, who do you think about? A freaking white woman. You think about Dorothy. You think about that. You know what? And I don't but think about this. that. Okay. When I think of America's jewel, I am not envisioning. What do you think of Hillary Clinton? No, 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 no. When you think about America's jewel, when, when someone says America's sweetheart, what do you think about? Think, don't lie. No, no, no. Don't lie. Kenya Moore. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, I'm not. I, 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 I guess don't. by her winning that that oh, title, that we'll, you know, that was closest that they're gonna give us. Could Beyonce be no, America's no. sweetheart? They would they, uh, no. That's not. She absolutely could be. She, could they, be. They, they, she deserves she, it. She's never been called America's sweetheart. Ever. When never. You hear America's sweetheart. You see some blonde haired blue eyed white woman, and they're like America's sweetheart. Her. She, yes. But so you perpetuate the problem by you embracing that and even perpetuating that's society the thing. That's I'm saying that I am not going to let society make me no, see exactly. America's oh, in sweetheart. In my eyes, in I'm America's way. sweetheart in my eyes. I'm America's sweetheart in my eyes, but right. in society's standpoint, that is what, that's the wonder bread. Exactly. And DB playing these games because of quote unquote America's sweetheart ever said that you disrespected her, white men coming after you. Yes so, or no? Who, who's your America's sweetheart? Taylor Swift or Beyonce? Taylor Swift oh. is not my sweetheart. But, but the worst America would say Taylor Swift is <laughs> the, the sweetheart. sweetheart. Her ugly, corny, <laughs> terrible song has Wait, I, I like Taylor. The couple no, songs that I like. she's off. <laughs> Beyonce kills her. Ready but they're not going to call song. her American Sweetheart. I love Ready For It. And look what you made me do. 
<laughs> by Taylor. We'll search. I will continue to refine and think through who would be in my eyes an American sweetheart. Mm-hmm. I gotta think about it, but I would ha- no. It wouldn't really be. It really wouldn't be Beyonce. You know, you're married with children. You're not an American sweetheart, but um, you know, she could be America's mom, America's entertainer. Like this is a lot of things. But I would think through who really would be America's sweetheart when you really think about it. You know, there's some there are people of color who could fit that role. Yara. Yara. Shahidi? Shahidi. From Blackish? Yes. I agree. That's exactly what I was having in my mind was a young girl from Blackish. Yeah, Yara. Because, you know, to me, an American sweetheart is someone, is a, you know, probably has gained a lot of respect as an actress for a character. And that character really is pure and symbolic of, to me, what our nation is right now. High ethical values, high standards. And again, kind of epitomizing, you know, that moment of youth in American history. So I would agree. I think that she would be a phenomenal choice oh, as America's sweetheart. So let's make Yara Shahidi America's sweetheart this day forward on yes. the 3 Plus 1 podcast. We yes. love you, Yara. <laughs> um, I do too. If you were white, she wouldn't love you though because Tazzy has. She's actually mixed, but it's not with white. Shout out to you, boo. Huh. So, speaking <laughs> of who is not America's sweetheart, this young lady, she went on one date. And then bombarded him with <laughs> 65,000 text messages, police say. A Phoenix area man went on a date, one date, with a woman that he met online, according to Keith Allen of CNN. The meeting likely didn't go very well. Not only was there not a repeat, he blocked her from the dating app. The woman said that was last year. And soon afterwards, things went wrong, very wrong. Police say that in the next 17 months, the woman sent the man text messages, about 65,000 of them, including 500 in one day. Wow. In court documents, prosecutors laid out how threatening the tone of some of them were. One said, don't ever try to leave me. I'll kill you. I don't want to be a murderer. In another one, she said she would kill him if he left her and would wear his body parts and bathe in his blood, the document said. And unfortunately, that's just the half of it. What do you guys think about this young lady? He liked this. Because he should have just blocked the number. Right. Oh, he should. He's one of them people that's like, oh, I love this shit. I would have changed my number. Like, what? Block the number. <laughs> Why is she still able to text you? I mean, it's... I, Did it's they have creepy. sex? It, was she digmatized? Or was this just... Well, they only went on one date. Well, that doesn't mean... I mean, that don't mean shit. People <laughs> be talking on the first date all the time. First five minutes. Yeah, so... <laughs> I'm not understanding... He either, I don't know, he put it on her or he's low-key liked it and then it just got out of hand, honestly, because he should have blocked her a long time ago. He he said something or he did something that, you know, just outrageously intrigued her that she, in her, in her head, she said, this is the one and I'm not letting this one go. So uh, my question is, what did you say to her? Like, what did you do? Something. I mean, because she... You know, just wasn't completely going off your look. So you had to say or do something or, you know, did you show her your bank account? What? Something. Crazy you is know? real. <laughs> Crazy is real. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, let's just say for the sake, you're right. I, I definitely agree. There's no reason why you wouldn't have blocked someone who was sending these kind of crazy messages. There's definitely no doubt. And to about a certain that. extent, like even change your number if you feel threatened in that way. Right. Like, okay, he likes the attention. Crazy. Exactly. 
it's probably a, a type of attention that he's been wanting and hasn't been getting, and now that someone's giving it to him, he's like, oh my god, he didn't want to turn it on. Yeah. And, and, so and when you look at the, the photo of the young lady, she looks she, crazy. Many oh. people have commented that there is something about her look that looks a little Let bit odd and peculiar. Uh, a yeah. little odd and peculiar. Oh man. So what, what does she look like? Oh, uh, she's a big creep factor. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely has something in the eyes that may indicate that when she tells you she's going to wear your body parts. I believe it. She yeah. very well may wear your body parts. I, I 100% believe it. Like, okay, it's just crazy. Let's. I changed my number, right? And if by chance she was... Digmatized. Maybe she's wearing it. So, like, where do you think that she... Where is she wearing it? Like, where would she wear that? What would you wear that? If you were a psycho, where would that body part go? Like, would you wear it, like, as a hat? What like, body maybe, part? A Like, would it be, like, a, a, a extra, like, a braid? I'm sure you just keep it in your bedroom. Sitting up on a man the mantle. Stare at him. That's actually but disgusting. They only went on one date. Not saying like that couldn't happen you on the first date. You can have sex on the first date. But, I mean, you know, on that first date, people are going to go all out. They're never going to give you their total, total true self. They're going to go, they're going to try at least to go, you know, beyond, you know, what you may expect. Hopefully. So you're saying he put that bomb dick on her instead of that regular degla. It's Wednesday at 10 right. p.m. They had a it. romantic, consensual adult experience. That we perhaps- didn't say it wasn't consensual. We just saying. He went above and beyond when he dropped the dick off in her. And now she's hooked, even oh though God. that ain't his everyday nine to five dick. Oh, I I just don't even well, know. That's very possible. Mm-hmm. And now in the entertainment news, <laughs> the transition from Tazzy discussing the adult consensual relationship that may or may not have been had by the 65,000 text stalker to what's happening in the world of entertainment, Tazzy? Okay, so one of the biggest things that's going on right now is Azalea Banks is really trying to come for everybody. So recently she was... Um, going back and forth on social media with Cardi B, basically saying Cardi B is not a black woman. So, like, you know, for those She's videos not. who are like, she, I hear my, like, who is exact? Who is Azalea Banks? Um, you really want to know if you want don't go look her up. The thing is, Isaiah Banks can sing, but she's so problematic. Is she a singer? Or she's a singer. She's a, she's singer. a singer and a rapper. She yeah. does both. But she's so problematic, and she's known best for her controversial comments on things. So her latest person she's come after is Cardi B, and she's basically saying that Cardi B is a bad role model, a bad influence on black people. Cardi B is not black, and that she shouldn't be acting like she's a black woman. All of this. So her and Cardi B have been going back and forth lately. Then starting today, she came for Tiana Taylor. And so Tiana Taylor has been replying back wow. to her messages as well. Um, Azalea accused Tiana of stealing choreography from a friend of hers named Matt. And Tiana basically got on the internet and was like, Matt got the credit for it. None of us were actually paid. The video that Tiana did for T- uh, Kanye, Fade. Uh, Tiana did that video. Apparently, some of Matt's choreography was in it, and Tiana said she stole it and did not give him credit. But um, Tiana was basically saying none of us got credit. We didn't even know that we were gonna do it. I didn't get paid for it. Matt got his shout out. It was just a mess. But Azalea is definitely a troll. 
Um, she loves coming for people. It's she just super messy. Like I've never seen her post anything like positive about people. She used to come for Beyonce until recently, maybe a couple months ago, she made a post apologizing about how negative she used to be about Beyonce and basically saying it was just internal hate for herself that made her hate Beyonce and now she realizes that Beyonce is an empowering woman. Like, bitch, don't ever try to come for the queen. I you know, I just want Azalea to stop talking. And to only make music. Let me tell you, I love Azalea Banks' music. What what song? Like as someone who's never listened to anything by her, what where would be a great entry point? I love. Uh, there's a song she has called Luxury. Uh, I, I I I. But I, I love Azalea. Just her music, everything. She can sing. When when and, and she can she can flow. She can rap really really well. Like her metaphors, everything is freaking amazing. But the thing is, is that. Azalea is trying to strive so hard to be relevant in a sense of being popular on social media sites and being, you know, in certain tabloids and things like that. When she shouldn't even focus on that, just focus on the music. Like when I seen, um, I seen her in Coachella uh, at Coachella one year online, and I fell in love with her right then and there. Like I, I, I just, I truly love her music. I just want her to stop talking. Stop being bitter. Like, she's showing that she's somewhat bitter because she feels like other people are getting more notoriety than what she feels like she deserves. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Like, as a matter of fact, I, let me tell you, like I was telling you earlier, I was like, my level of caring what someone else is doing is like, you know, walk, walking right past a building that's on fire and looking at my phone. Like, <laughs> that's how much I'm minding my own business. And that's what she needs to do. Focus on yourself and your music. Because, like, when she started to put out music, you know, lately within the last couple weeks, I've really been on it. And then when she starts being, you know, combative to other artists and stuff, I'm like, okay, here we go again. Like, Mm -hmm. you're not, like, people are not even going to want to listen to your music now. Mm -hmm. They're not even going to know how good it is now. You're not even going to get booked for the type of shows that you would want to get now just because you're being combative and being against other artists. Mm -hmm. You know, and everybody's really, especially within the community of color, we really want to kind of almost like band together in a sense and yeah cardi is not you know she's not african-american but she's still a person of color and she's still in the realm of you know not having it easy to you know come up here in america so i'm not even a a fan of cardi b's cardi cardi b's music i'm a fan of her success I freaking love hearing and reading about, you know, you know, bigger and better things that she's doing and, you know, being on this magazine cover, getting this, da, da, da. Like her success, her come up story is a complete inspiration. That's what I love about her. And I don't know, Azalea, just stop talking about people and two people and just get in the studio and continue to make music. I truly believe that Azalea could be a great, like, artist and everything if she went to go get some therapy. Yeah. And, like, focused on herself, like you said. Azalea has made it very clear that, I mean, she hasn't, like, blatantly come out, but some of her comments and things makes it obvious that she suffers with colorism. She feels like she's not an attractive woman because she's She's dark dark. skin. Cardi B isn't black. Cardi B is... Latina. Is like, she mixed? I mean, because her lyrics sound black. 
Well, she was raised in the black ghetto. She was raised in the hood. How I many white women do you know that are raised in the ghetto and that that exactly. talk black? They got a black haircut like a black Cardin. woman. Catch me outside. How about that? <laughs> exactly. <Listen>. So, yeah. <laughs> but Cardi's parents are very Hispanic looking. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a Hispanic woman, in my opinion. And other people might disagree, but I believe Cardi B is Hispanic. She's relatable, um, that's all. But Azale, back to Azalea, like I just feel like she suffers with colorism. She does not think she's an attractive woman because she's, she's dark, dark skinned. Skin. She has talked about how she used to bleach her skin and things like that. Like if she just could seek some therapy and not be so angry at the world mm-hmm. for things, she could be great. She can sing. The that- fact that we, that we are talking about Azalea Banks at this moment should be more than enough for Azalea Banks. It, and that's yeah. the shocking part. Like, this woman has achieved notoriety and success for the talent and the gifts that she has. And for her to not be able to recognize that sad. is sad and, to me, undeserving of Absolutely. The I agree. Undeserving you don't, you of don't even gift. deserve your success because you it's hitting you in the face and you keep putting an X over it because you're worried about what someone else is doing. But success what? can be hard. And to that note... So, speaking of success being hard, we have to do a quick shout out to Miss Tina Knowles Lawson. Yes, Mama Tina. <laughs> um, reports have come out recently that she did, in fact, put Solange and Beyonce in therapy early on in their life to help them deal with the fact that Beyonce was becoming a mega star. And if that isn't a sign of an amazing mother, I don't know what is. Like, she recognized the fact that one of her daughters was about to be extremely successful and put them in therapy so that they could deal with those type of things. Because I cannot imagine being a child and being bombarded with the type of things that celebrities have to deal with. So, a quick shout out to Mama Tina for that. What do you guys think about her putting Solange and Beyonce in therapy? I think it's great, especially considering, you know, last week was... um Silence is shame around mental illness in the African American community. Not knowing, of course, knowing that neither Beyonce nor Solange are impacted by this that we know of, but just the fact that you have a proactive approach by the black family to ensure that the, the mental health and mental well being of their children is admirable. And I think that more African Americans should seek counseling mm-hmm. and therapy to avoid issues later in life for, for period, no matter no matter the age. I mean, I totally agree. Um you know, she she seen that Beyonce was becoming like a local celebrity and, you know, she already had the vision of what she saw for her and her children, her family for the future. So she's like, OK, I see where Beyonce is going and I see where you're going, Solange. <laughs> you know, so I think it's a... Solange, a, we love you as well. Yeah, we love you as well. As a matter of fact, she even said there's a Solange day. They chose a day once a week where it will always be about Solange. And that's a good thing, you know, because it's almost like, you know, we're saying this is your day. We haven't forgot about you. You're just as successful as Beyonce, even though in the back of our head, (laughs) maybe, you know, a little. But it doesn't matter at that time. It doesn't really matter. What matters is what that child is feeling then. And they don't feel they don't feel lesser than then there's nothing to worry about. And that's the goal to make them feel equal to their other siblings. Um. Because, I mean, I'm the oldest of five boys and, uh, you know, maybe it probably would have helped if some of my brothers had some counseling. Not uh, not saying, you know, like, you know, just, I am a success story. Yeah, because I, I 
shit, I come from shit. And <laughs> to be at a point of achieving certain dreams that I never thought that I would have, um, yeah, there is, you know, a little slight jealousy or resentment that some of my brothers may have because they may feel like, why didn't I have that? Or why didn't that happen for me? Because they're talented too. They have a lot of talents and stuff. At one point, we were going to be like a boy band, you know? Yes, Jackson Five. <laughs> like, we would do talent shows in front of my family all the time and stuff like that, you know? And, and so, for me to kind of, you know, be the only one out of my entire family to kind of, you know, try to move forward in some type of way in that industry, you know, there there is maybe a little... No, there is, you know, not even just from my brothers, but from other cousins who felt like they should have gotten, you know, to a point where I, I am or, and I'm not even at the point where, like the finishing point, there's so much more that I see for myself. And I don't even feel like, you know, the way some people may see me, I don't necessarily see myself as that totally because I see such higher, you know. You're going further. Yeah, you know, like, trust me, there's so much more. Like, okay, what I've done, great, fine, thank you, I'm grateful. But I see so much more, you know. And so for the people back home, I'm from Backwoods, Alabama, and, you know, they don't see. Oh, what part of Alabama are you from? Huntsville. What? Yeah. My mom used to live there. Oh, and wow. Like three She's in Birmingham now. Okay, I taught in yes, Birmingham. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. With so, Oakwood and all yeah, that. Yeah, Alabama. I graduated from um, Alabama and M University. Shout yeah. out. Where there is a Ward Model Troop. Where there is Ward Model Troop. And I, you know, I did not know that that organization was going to be that big. When I started that organization. You founded the, the Model Troop at Alabama A&M. Yes. That now bears your name. And it is phenomenally successful. Yeah. You know, they're over the homecoming fashion show every single year. The first year they gave it They're to They're HBCU famous. Like, all around numerous HBCUs, people know about the war mo- uh, model troop. Yeah, you know, I, I promise you, like, I just want to start an organization with people who ha- who were like-minded, who were interested in the fashion industry. And, you know, next thing you know, here comes SGA. Like, hey, could you guys put on the Homecoming Fashion Show? Sure. We had Eva Pickford, she hosted. We had Chrisette Michelle perform. I mean, after that, it just got bigger and bigger. Even after I left, it just got bigger. I was like, I, honestly, I thought it was going to end after I left. <laughs> but it got bigger. And I and like, actually, this year is the 10-year anniversary. So it's going to be quite big this year during Homecoming. I'm excited. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so you got to go back. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go back. This is a big year. Um, for the war. Do they ever recognize you as their founder? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I mean, <laughs> my name is there. So uh, that's, you know, that's not going to... That's be... a real legacy. To have yeah, to you know, it is. It is. And I'm highly grateful for that because um, coming from where I'm from, like you, you don't necessarily think that those things are going to happen. But it also goes to show when you have a dream or a vision or something that you want to achieve, just move forward with it. Just, you know, don't, you know, you could dream that it's going to be huge or whatever, but don't let that be the focal point because that wasn't my focal point. You know, of course, I wanted to be, you know, have longevity or whatever, but I only wanted to do it because I wanted to have fun. And that is the basis of everything. Feeling good, having fun. When you do something, enjoy it. Because when, if you're enjoying it, there are going to be more reasons that come about for you to enjoy it. Like now, I enjoy it even more. I'm not even doing the work, but I'm enjoying it even more because I'm seeing it getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, it's just 
finding what you like and feeling good about doing it. Well, Tazzy spoke about her mom just now, so happy Mother's Day from yes. this past week to yes. all of our moms. Shout to out all of to our my moms. mama, Cynthia Hall. You are the most amazing And shout out to my mom. I bet you don't listen are to this podcast. Are you really going to shut me down in the middle of shouting <laughs> out my mama? Deborah can wait two seconds until I'm done. I was not going to even say Cynthia, my mother. Cynthia, you are <laughs> the most amazing woman that God has ever created, and I am so thankful that he blessed me to be a product of you. You look phenomenal, and I cannot <laughs> wait to look like you in 30 years because black don't crack and my mama is yeah. fine as hell. Hey, girl, hey. <laughs> now you can talk about Deborah. Uh, I wasn't. My mother doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> but what I was going to talk about is Ivanka Trump's frosty Instagram honoring her mom, Ivana. Ivanka Trump took this Mother's Day as an opportunity to compliment her mother's skills on the slopes. And now everyone was impressed with the first daughter's <laughs> words. President Donald Trump's eldest daughter, 36, shared a tribute to Ivana Trump on her social media pages Sunday, but rather than a sweet photo of them together or a throwback snap, Ivanka used a glamour shot of her mom skiing. Happy Mother's Day to the most um, to the to my amazing mother and the best skier I know. Love you. She captioned the post. Many people actually gave a lot of pushback saying that was a very frosty Mother's Day shout out and that Ivana deserved better. Mm. What do you guys think about Ivanka's frozen response? Make a post about your mama however you want to make right. it. Like, why are people so concerned? If that's the picture she chose, that's the picture she chose. You don't know the relationship she has with her mother. Next. Yeah, you know, if it was Father's Day and I had a child, I would want them to post the most glamorous shot of me. <laughs> the most glamorous shot that you I could. I would post my best. I need to look <clears throat> the best. You know? Um, but, uh, you know, uh, I don't think they really look at the first lady as their mom. No, Ivana. No, Ivana, her actual mom, not Melania. They definitely look at Melania. I don't think as much. Okay, what's the problem? I mean, they're the same age as Melania. Like, First of all, they should be defending their mama. They let their daddy make a whole bottom shelf liquor named after their mama. They (laughs) must not like her that much. Do y'all remember Ivana, bitch? The the vodka that was named after her? Why you say nothing about that? Like... Speak, speak on those things. You're making posts. I don't care about the posts. But I don't know. I don't understand why they didn't ever speak up for her about that, though. That that, that should be a Mother's Day topic. Your daddy made a, a terrible bottom shelf vodka called Ivana, bitch, after your mama. I don't know if that was made by Donald Trump. Yes. I, I would have to look it up. Look I, it up. I know there is a such liquor. Look it up. It bought a bitch. But I don't think that they had to do with it. He he invested in all of that. It bought a bitch. Donald Trump. Are you certain? Look it up. I'm going to fact check. I will fact check. I will fact check. Speaking of Donald Trump, uh, this week's up goes to President Trump. Because we're at that time for the up. I'm not even going to say the up, down, and clown because I'm not understanding how the fuck the up is for Donald Trump. Well, let me tell you. There is a massive push now for President Trump to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Wow. Because he complained about Barack Obama getting one and he wants one too. Barack Obama won it. Jimmy Carter, Theodore Roosevelt, and Woodrow Wilson. I want one too. 
now President Donald Trump supporters are pushing for him to be the next U.S. leader to win the Nobel Peace Prize. No. A move that's being met by smirks and eye rolls in Europe where Trump remains deeply unpopular. But that's not stopping a growing list of champions from pushing Nobel Committee to consider Trump for the world's most co- coveted diplomatic prize. And I am actually wanting to applaud Donald Trump. I do not believe that he deserves a Nobel Peace Prize because nothing about his administration has brought peace in this world. However, the work that he's put into bringing about a peaceful moment in the Korean Peninsula is definitely worthy of an up. Um, he absolutely... He has worked hard to denuclearize that the Korean Peninsula, bring peace to the region. And I think that we should recognize that. We're quick to talk about his negative attributes. That's all a part of it. But we need to also, when he does something that is admirable, we need to call it out. And this is very admirable. I have been afraid of uh, South Korea, I mean, North Korea for a while. Like the fact that they had nuclear capabilities to can cause mass havoc. And I think the fact that they're going to slowly roll back some of their nuclear arsenal, I think that's worthy of praise. Mm-hmm. Taz, what do you think? You're not, that, can we not give President Trump the up this week? No. Because he's got plenty of downs and a whole lot of clowns. He's doing shit that the president is supposed to do. Like, that's when... I hate when people want to applaud. He's doing his job. Exactly. You're doing the bare minimum for your job. You should... You're not deserve But what President Trump did... You know, what uh, President Trump did with the nuclear uh, push in North Korea to, to bring peace to the Korean Peninsula hadn't been achieved by any president prior. Under President Obama, the Korean Peninsula was r- raging out of control. Okay, every president that has been in, in an office has done something that the previous presidents couldn't do or didn't do. Hurrah, you know. Show me something. Yeah, job. job. I'm just saying, I'm give him credit for no. what he's done. Okay. You, you don't get praise for doing your damn job. That's like my mom used to tell me when I wake up on Saturday <laughs> and it's time for me to clean my room and clean up the house. I'd be like, dang, my mom want a treat. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. You don't get a praise for doing something you're supposed to do. No. Get your nasty belt up and clean this room. I apologize. Get your nasty belt up Thank and clean you. up this country. You supposed to. <laughs> I apologize. For D.D. giving Donald Trump the up. Donald I Trump was not aware it. of it. No, no. Ooh, Lord. I'm going to hold my tongue. So, Let's move on. Turn moving it down. on to the, the down. We already talked about this a little bit earlier. Video shows police choking black men in tuxedo at Waffle House. Anthony Wall's night started by escorting his 16-year-old sister to her high school prom outside Fayetteville, North Carolina. It ended with a 22-year-old black man in handcuffs and face down outside a Waffle House. A now widely shared video of Wall being choked and manhandled by a white police officer has triggered an official review and renewed national concerns from racial justice groups about police use of force. The altercation between Wall and the police officer early Saturday was captured on cell phone video, which has been viewed more than one million times on Facebook. Mm. Wall was still dressed in his tuxedo, his black and tan tuxedo vest when the incident occurred at a Waffle House in Warsaw, North Carolina. At one point, Wall cried out, get your hands off me and get your supervisor out here, as the officer grabbed him by his neck before slamming him into the pavement. This, to me, is truly representative of yet again another down. What do you guys think? 
I mean, I was already protesting Waffle House. So we're going to continue. We're protesting Waffle House. We were protesting Waffle House ever since that black woman ended up on the ground. Because of plastic breast exposed, all of that craziness. I was boycotting from that point. And I love Waffle House. Like, I'm one of those 3 a.m. in the morning after I leave the club, I'm at the Waffle House. Like, that's my thing. But I definitely was protesting after that. And this just put the nail in the coffin of me not ever going back. Like... That young man was in his prime clothes, minding his business. This grown man, grown white male cop grabbed him by his neck, choked him, lifted him up by his neck, slammed him to the ground. It was just unnecessary because he had at least, you know, three times his weight against this little boy. Like, that little boy had to be 100 pounds. This man was probably 250. That's insane. Well, hopefully, you know, I think it's a good thing that, you know, mostly black people are, and there probably are some white people, but black people are, you know, going against Waffle House and not eating there because that shit is bad for you anyway, and it's killing us anyway. So <laughs> that's a good thing. So that's the good it. that came out of that, at least. That's something because uh, we shouldn't be eating Waffle House anyway. Okay, so, you know, I I agree. I'm not a big Waffle House fan, but I do like their bacon. But I like, I like bacon in general. Bacon, I like bacon. Bacon, cheese sandwiches, what's I, I, That's what I would get I'm as well. All, that's interesting. Oh, now, I love the food, but I know I shouldn't be eating it's, it. It's terrible. And so, you know, but I you know, I definitely feel like, again, if I'm, gonna, if I'm going to boycott H&M, hashtag boycott H&M, hashtag boycott Starbucks, and I also have to support and boycott Waffle Absolutely. House. Yes. These same egregious errors keep coming up, and we have to stand against it. And unity and solidarity together. We haven't talked about these lynchings in Atlanta. Yeah, I read something about yeah. that. Um, there was a woman the, found hanging. But there was a man outside. found a couple weeks ago too. I didn't hear, see that, but they said this woman was hanging was ruled a suicide. They ruled that man hanging a suicide as well. I ain't never heard no black people hanging themselves at suicide in public places. Like, this doesn't add up to me, honestly. And it's kind of scary because this is not the first one. Like, a man was found hanging a couple weeks ago. Now this woman is found hanging in the same area a couple weeks later. These aren't all suicides. And they need to start looking into this and stop jumping to the conclusion that they are suicides. Wow. I, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't yeah. know it was two. Oh, it's multiple. This is going to be, I'm sure, another one going to come up. And, and this is where, you. do we know, this is, I know it's in South Georgia. No, ah, these no. have been in Atlanta. What are you talking about? And that's funny because the ones that I was <laughs> thinking about were not in Georgia. They were somewhere else. Oh, the two I'm talking about were in Atlanta. We, we talked about, I think, in the last episode, the lynchings in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's what I read about. But this week's The Clown, we have two teenagers face felony charges for allegedly killing a mother possum and her four babies using a baseball and chemicals, according to Cobb County Police. Raquavius Wilson Williams, age 19, and an unarmed 16-year-old male suspect were arrested at North Cobb High School on Wednesday, police said in a news release. The student reached out to school police and showed them the video. The case went to Kennesaw Police and then Cobb Cops. According to a police warrant, the suspects beat the mother possum with a baseball bat and poured a mixture of bleach and ammonia on the four babies inside an orange box. The death happened in early April, according to the warrant. Each team faces five counts of aggravated animal cruelty. Police said Williams also has also faces a, a, a count of contributing to the delinquency of a minor. What are your thoughts on this horrendous case it's, of animal cruelty? It is definitely terrible. Uh, but at the same time, I'm looking at it like, 
Okay, it seems like this possum is getting more justice than Trayvon Martin, you know. <laughs> but I, I love animals, but I feel like there's a certain indifference there for me because I'm from Alabama and, like, we eat possums. <laughs> no, seriously, we do. I've seen my grandparents literally kill and... And know, fry the possum. Cook and possum. my family is from South Georgia, so they be eating coon on holidays. Uh, it's nothing Give new. me some raccoon, boom. Right. Good. So, you know, but I... I this but the way a, that they kill these things... Exactly. There, I watch too much criminal... I've watched too many episodes of Criminal raccoon. Minds. Mm-hmm. These are psychopaths. Yeah, and, yeah. And they're, they're, they're yeah, literally going to... Yeah. Elevate unless they kill these possums and blah blah blah, but it's gonna reach a point where killing animals isn't good enough for them, and they're gonna gonna start killing people. Mm -hmm. Lock these fools up because they're psychopaths. Well, don't lock them up. Get them some help. (sighs) Well, hopefully, I hopefully they're going to get some help through the justice system. It's unfortunate though. I think that you guys made said a whole lot in a very brief amount of time about justice and who gets justice. Um, but I think this is a very concerning incident. Yeah, and it is definitely torture. somewhat Anything like, um, I think, serial killer type behavior. Mm-hmm. So the best of us this week now goes to two amazing commencement speakers. Both Oprah Winfrey and Chadwick Boseman gave amazing speeches this past weekend. If you haven't seen it, you got to Google it. We're going to share the speech, and I want each of you to share the part of the speech that resonates the most with you. From the Oprah Winfrey speech at USC, the part that stood out the most to me was when Oprah said, this will save you. Stop comparing yourself to other people. You're only on this planet to be you, not someone's imitation of you. Your life journey is about learning to become more of who you are and fulfilling the highest, truest expression of yourself as a human being. That's why you're here. So we're going to pass it. Tazzy, what is your section of this speech that resonates the most with you? So I would have to say I have a tie between two. Um, it would have to be when she said, if you're fighting with someone you really love, for God's sake, find your way back to them because life is short, even on your longest days. And that is really, really real. And I completely understand that because, um, I used to be a person that struggled with holding grudges. And as soon as somebody crossed me or made me mad or something, I'd be like, I'm cutting you off and I'm done. And I, you know, ruined some relationships in my younger days based off of just holding grudges about small, bitter things. So I completely, you know, agree with Oprah. Like, if you're really fighting with somebody, but you love them, go ahead and just make amends, move forward, because life is short. And the other part of her speech that I liked is... When she said, these times are here to let us know that we need to take a stand for our right to have hope. We need to take a stand with every ounce of wit and courage we can muster. The question is, what are you willing to stand for? That question is going to follow you throughout your life. Here's how you answer it. You put your honor where your mouth is. Wow. Love that. Cedric, what stands out to you from Oprah's amazing USC commencement speech? When she says, this will save you, stop comparing yourself to others. You know, that resonates with me so much because when I tell you my level of not caring what someone else is doing 
is just as if I am walking down the street and the building next to me is on fire and I am looking at Instagram on my phone. <laughs> That's my level of minding my own business and caring only about what I'm doing and not comparing myself to what anybody else may be doing or what maybe, you know, I think they may be doing better than me possibly. No, I'm focusing on myself. I don't care what anybody else is doing. This is my path, not their path. This is my creation. They're not creating. If I allow them to have an effect on what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling, I'm allowing them to create my own reality. And you don't want that. You want to create your own reality. Wow. So now take a moment and tell us what from the Bozeman speech that he gave to Howard University resonates the most with you. So for the Chadwick um, speech, I would have to say that the quote that stood out the most for me was when he said, whatever you choose as a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. Mm-hmm. And like I talked about earlier, I quit my job to go back to school to make this happen. And I have been struggling. Finances are not amazing. Like, But I, I understand that this point in my life, is making me stronger and building me for where I'm about to go. Like all of this is in turn going to end up being something that mm-hmm. I had to, you know, step on these things to get to where I'm going. <clears throat> Shoot, it might be a film that I make one day, my path mm-hmm. and my journey in order to get here. It might be an Oscar winning film that I create based off of the things that have happened and the struggles that I have gone through in order to make my dreams and my passions a reality. So Chadwick hit the nail on the the head on with that one. Mm-hmm. I would say my favorite quote from him at uh, this speech is challenge the system. Um, and, you know, with that concept, and mm-hmm. I have used that throughout my life, point blank period, just many times. And that's the idea of not following what society says you should do or not following what your parents say you should do or not following what the government says you should do. Follow what you and your heart say you should do. Okay, if, if you and your heart says, I don't want to go to college, but I want to be a an entrepreneur and do this, then go do that. You don't have to go to college to do that. There's so many routes to get to that point. There are millions of routes to get to whatever point that you want to get to. And it doesn't have to be a route that someone dictates and says, you have to do this. You have to go through four years of college. You have to go through grad school, da da You don't have to. Do you know how many billionaires have never even went to college? (laughs) Do you know how many millionaires have become millionaires while being a junior in high school? You know, so just that idea of challenging the system and not just falling for what, you know, people and society says you should do is enough to, you know, propel you forward with whatever it is that you want to do. Two amazing speeches. The part that stands out to me is when he talks about the reason why you're here and that this is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Mm. There have been billions before us and there will be billions after us. This moment that brings us together is divinely ordered and truly ordained by God to be. And we have to consistently appreciate it revel in it and maximize the opportunities it is now time to talk about the products that we love do we have anything this week that we are in love with so this week um as some of you may know zora neil hurston just released a new book i would have to say i'm halfway through the book and i love it it is one of those kind of like tough reads um it's a recount of 
the story of one of the last people to be brought over as a slave. Um, she took his story down in 1927, wow. and he basically was telling about his experience when he was in Africa, how he got on the ship, how he ended up in Miss um, in Alabama. Wow. He was actually he actually lived in. Uh, Plateau, Alabama, which is right outside of Mobile. Wow. Yes. So she went to right outside of Mobile to interview him for this. The book is very captivating. And I feel like I'm hearing him tell the story because the way Zora wrote the book is... The exact vernacular. Yes. The exact vernacular of him. So I'm when I'm reading it, I'm like, this is how this man said that, told this story. And it makes you excited it's beautiful. to read it. Too, yes, right? I love it. It's I, beautiful writing. Right? Beautiful I language, the, the way he's the way that he spoke, beautiful. Yes. Wow. It's I love it. So that's definitely the part that I love. I would suggest and recommend all of you go buy the book and read it. Um one of my last sisters, Kayla, shout out to you, has already read it and loves it. She talks about it and lets people know. So I definitely would recommend you go pick up that book. Well, I don't have a gadget, but I do have a book that I do would uh, would love to recommend that I thought about before I even came over that I said that I would kind of throw out because this is like a huge book that has helped me throughout my life that I still sometimes pick up and read. And it's called The Magic. And it's also, it's by Ronda Byron who wrote The Secret and did the movie is called The Magic. And it uh, teaches you how to keep a gratitude journal. This thing is freaking amazing. When I tell you that along with the secret that freaking book changed my life get that book and buy yourself a journal and prepare for an amazing future mm. wow so i'm gonna definitely now buy the magic yes. uh and add it in so this week's the product that i love is yet again a podcast everyone knows i'm a podcast junkie i love podcasts and i am so thankful that I just so happened to find out that one of my life role models, Malcolm Gladwell, has an amazing podcast called Revisionist History. And I stumbled upon it and I immediately knew that episode three of season one was for me. And when I listened to Carlos Doesn't Remember, it was a transformative experience. I re- realized that many of our listeners may not make it to the end. We're at how many minutes now, Tazzy? Um, an hour and 23. And I'm going to say that I, this young man's story that Malcolm Gladwell tells resonated with me more than probably many things that I've ever read or heard. And it gave me, for the first time in my life, a chance to just feel sorry for myself based on situations that I could not control about poverty, about opportunities missed, about dreams that were deterred. And it just really spoke to the inequity of the American educational system. So with that being said, I love that product and I'm very, very proud to share it. Then on the other end, the flip side of that story for me is to give recognition and thanks to the Bill and Melinda Gates Millennium Scholarship Foundation. Uh, When you listen to the podcast, episode three of Revisionist History by Malcolm Gladwell, you'll learn about Carlos. And in many ways, my story and Carlos' stories are very, very familiar. But what made my life trajectory different than than Carlos's would be the Bill and Melinda Gates Millennium Scholarship. When I received that, it opened up opportunities and doors for me. This year is the 20th anniversary of celebrating the scholarship, and there is an entire multitude of people of color whose lives were transformed by education because of the generous financial donation of Bill and Melinda Gates. They are philanthropists who've helped make America truly great. 
Absolutely. Not only again, but forever. Because what they've sown in me will pay off in all of the students and in all the lives that I will forever attempt to touch and possibly touch. So listen to that, and it will truly give you a much better picture of who I am. Wow, that's beautiful. So it's been 20 years? Bill and Melinda Gates, 20 years. Were you the one two of the products. first I was a millennium scholar. Wow. The very first. The wow. very first year I received that scholarship. That is awesome. That's yep. beautiful. So with that, I think it's a great way of saying thank you and good night we'll talk to you again next week